Welcome to the death of a dream. I am compelled to start telling this story, my own story, this story that's true to my life, because I believe that this is where a lot of people are in their lives. If you're just sitting in the everyday normalcy and looking around, gratefully looking around lost and feeling like this is it, uh, I get you. I'm here with you. I am in the exact same place. I feel like I'm supposed to just pause and be grateful and realize that people would kill to live the life that you're living. And I'm, I feel like people are pushing me to just settle and accept that I have and I should just live here. And that's so hard for me to accept because I've never lived that dream. You know, I think you get to a certain age and people start expecting you to just be okay with acceptance, with all the things that you're supposed to be, and you're just supposed to settle and not strive for more. And so... We're going to start telling my story and living through that, and hopefully that'll help you connect the pieces in your life and figure out when you got to a place of acceptance, and hopefully we'll take you down a path of living those dreams again. So we're going to start with my story. I can't promise that this will be a two-parter, but I'm going to try to tell it true to who I am and where I come from and hopefully even though you haven't gone down the exact same path maybe you'll assign narrative to different places you've been in your life according to mine so here it goes I have always been the most extra person I know so much so that I lived most of my adolescence in a bright yellow Hanes sweatsuit. Not like the cool sweatsuits that were like swooshy and had the designs and were um, shiny, like the cheap Hanes matching crew neck sweatshirt and rubber band bottom sweatpants matching yellow probably because that was on sale but also because that's my favorite color sweatsuit right not the fancy starter ones the cheap ones that you don't want to be caught wearing now current day is really cool um, but kindergarten through fourth grade not cool at all for me so my most extra version of myself wore this yellow sweatsuit, like sunshine yellow sweatsuit, every day. And when I, okay, but it wasn't just a sweatsuit, not just a sweatsuit, sweatsuit with fabric painted Hannah Banana. Then to be even more extra, to commit to my brand of who I was, it also included tiny pigtails all over my head. 
all over my head. And my mother never stopped me. Bless her. She says to this day, Hannah, you always just had a vision and you didn't care what other people thought. This was your look. This was true to who you were. And you did it. Regardless of all of the people making fun of you, you did it. Bless her. So that was me. And to be even more extra, I also had a banana seat bike because I'm Hannah Banana. Bros, I'm committed. So I'm just like this live loud, beautiful, bouncy version of myself. And at some point I grew out of said sweatsuit. And instead of growing out and transitioning into what could only be normal clothing, I cut my sweatsuit into sweatshorts and sweat shirt, like t-shirt, sweat t-shirt. And I continued wearing this for another, that bought me at least two more years in this sweatsuit. So I'm this person. I have always been this person. And at some point, I lost my ability to function outside of people's criticism or outside of people's expectations. And when I think through that, and like my mom said about me, you just never cared. You always just did what was true to your soul. Oh my gosh, what an inspiring child I was, right? Because how many of us do that? How many of us live our truest version of ourselves? My truest version of myself is yellow. That's it, period. Yellow, bright yellow all over everything. If I had permission, it would be yellow, the yellowest version of me, right? And when you think about how bright that is, how shiny that is, how just outwardly acceptance of who you are, yellow in its very color is just extra, right? Most people, when you tell them that yellow is your favorite color, go, ooh, ooh, not for me. Yee, couldn't wear it. Not my thing. Okay. Good for you. Congratulations. You aren't as extra as I am, but if yellow is your favorite color, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Right? And so in accepting that that was my favorite color and that that is just my being, I started to realize that I'm just more extra. But at some point, people's interpretations of who it was accepted for me to be started impacting my life. And I stopped dreaming for myself and I started dreaming for the acceptance of others. And so my dreams were born out of what people thought of me. And the reason that I had to cut my sweatsuit off to be shorts and a shirt is because I awkwardly grew taller than anyone was prepared for. And I was the tallest, thinnest string bean that you will ever see. And I reached full height of six foot, probably around sixth grade. And so imagine this super tall and awkward person 
wandering around. And so as soon as I realized that it wasn't acceptable for Hannah to just have this vision of what it looked like, as soon as I realized that, I started listening to what other people told me was an acceptable path for me based on the things that they knew about me, right? And most people, as they saw me, only accepted that I was tall. And so the verbalization of who I was started becoming that I must be an athlete, that I must be some sort of superstar basketball player because I am just this tall and I am like 10 years old, right? So it must look like basketball. So I started taking in all these comments and I kind of collected the most amounts of acceptable visions that people could have for my life. And I remember in second grade, I think it was first grade. In first grade, I had told someone that I wanted to be a doctor and I had spent a lot of my life in and out of doctoring facilities, hospitals, clinics, all the things. Um, Not because I was some sort of special sick, just because I was severely accident prone. I just happened to always have something medically weird going on my entire life. So at some point I had verbalized probably one of, as I trace back, probably one of my first dreams, I had verbalized that I wanted to be a doctor. And someone said, oh, yeah. Oh, Hannah, bless your heart. You have to be really smart, like really smart and really good at math. And you're not very good at math. So, okay, bless your heart. You want to be a doctor. Oh, and you have to have a lot of money. And so I remember my second grade self, which whoever that person was, and I can't break this memory down specific enough to figure out who spoke that into me, which bless them, right? People are put in our lives for a reason, negative or positive, bless them. I would have been lost as a doctor. It would not have worked out. However, that very speaking existence into me told me that I could not dream my own dreams, that that there were certain things certain people could dream, but not me, right? I didn't have enough money. I don't come from a background of um, of people that are allowed to dream things. I come from a background of get a job and whatever job you can to make money. And you, you could probably find a job that makes better money, but not like doctor money. You don't come from that background. That's not an acceptable dream for your life, honey. So I'm going to go ahead, little second grader and crush you now, because if you dream that and you fail, I'm scared for you. And I will feel like I let you down in second grade, not telling you that that is not an acceptable path for your life. So second grade Hannah This is going to be your first dose of reality. You are not allowed to dream like other people. You do not have a background. You do not have all the things that you need. So I remember taking that and just tabling that idea. Hannah, you can't be a doctor. 
You are not smart enough. You are not privileged enough. You are not all the things. But that was my first journey down realizing I wasn't allowed to dream the same way other people were because because I wore a Hanes yellow sweatsuit for goodness sakes. What kind of a doctor would I make? Oh, my only dream right now is to drive a banana seat bike up and down the neighborhood and hope that someone sees me and thinks that I look really as cool as I feel right now. And that person doesn't grow up and become a doctor. They just don't. That's not acceptable. People from that background can't go do things like that. There were other instances of things that were acceptable for my life, but not that thing. So that was the first time that I dreamed out loud and uncompromised. And that first instance of me verbalizing this dream, this projection of what my life was going to look like, someone squashed me, right? And they were like, no, girl, hold back. You can't do that. Whatever that is, you can't do it. It, it just wouldn't be possible. Not, hey, girl, yeah, I get that. You need to be really strong in math and science. And, and so those would be things you would focus on. Or I don't know but anything but what was said. But blessings to that person because they have put me to this place in my life, right? So they crushed that dream. So the next round, I unknowingly decided that I could dream, but it would have to be a dream that was accepted by others. So the next dream that I dreamt was a dream in this place of safety, was a dream in this place of fine, I can dream, but it's got to be accepted by other people. It's got to be endorsed by someone. And as I keep telling you this story and as we keep kind of drilling down what this looks like, this is all going to make perfect sense for where I am right now. So I realize that I don't have the privilege, the status to dream big dreams for my life, right? Someone spoke that fear into me so early in my life that I was jaded from the start. And it's so crazy because I am yellow banana seat bike Hannah that doesn't care what people think of the 12 ponytails on my two inch hair, right? I didn't care that I didn't look like anybody else. I thought that that was a good thing. I thought that standing up and declaring in kindergarten that my favorite color is yellow amongst the sea of purples, pinks, and blues was the most amazing thing. That standing out and being something different was a good thing, not a bad thing. And at some point, people spoke that fear so deeply into my life that I lost that person, that yellow declaration in the middle of my kindergarten class, standing up prouder than I had ever been, that I had come up with an answer that was different, right? What a bold person it takes to love the color yellow, and that was who I was who I was. That is not who I am today. 
I'm working to bridge that gap. I'm working to rediscover that little girl. But people spoke so much fear and unacceptance into my life that it got me to where I am today. So the next time that I dreamt a big dream for my life, it was a dream that other people accepted of me, a dream that other people endorsed of me, not my own. So imagine you're super tall, you're super all these things, and you're just trying to grab onto anything that people accept about you. Because the last time you dreamt something, it wasn't accepted. And it was told to you that you couldn't go be those things because of X, Y, and Z. So I start venturing down this path of like, okay, I can be successful, but it's got to be on someone else's terms. It's got to be endorsed and influenced by other people. I couldn't come up with what this looks like for my life because I don't have the things I'm supposed to have. I don't have access to those things. And when I come up with what this looks like for my life, people tell me that that's not acceptable. And so I I can come up with a dream, but it's got to be endorsed by other people. It's got to be signed off on by other people. So the only thing that I had ever been told about myself consistently and cleanly was that I was super tall and that I must be a basketball player. Boom. Okay. That's what people are accepting about me. That's what people are endorsing about me. I'm going to go do that thing. So I remember my mark in the sand because I am this bold person and it is not in my DNA or genetic makeup, which is the same exact thing, but I said it twice, to, to dream small, to create a small manifestation of what this looks like, right? I am so extra, it hurts at times. When I hide that version of myself, it suffocates me. I can't breathe in that space. I can't. And yet, I feel like for at least the last five years, if not more, I have been drowning that version of myself because it's not acceptable to be that person. When when I am that person, people tend to to laugh or call me dramatic or call me, yeah, I am. Least you not remember, I branded myself as this person so readily, so dramatically that my brand was Hannah Banana, fabric crayon person riding a banana seat bike just because it was branded banana and that made sense to me. Ponytails in the hair, don't care being my own best self, right? And so I do things dramatically, extraly. If you know me, Lord bless you. Someone actually called me obnoxious the other day, lovingly, which is a thing. I actually nodded in agreement. Like I am, yes, I am obnoxious, especially to people who are living a smaller life than the one I envisioned for myself. I most certainly am obnoxious. That is a loving statement to me. I am. So I readily adopt this new dream or this new goal 
because the only thing that I knew about myself that I had been told over and over and over again was that I was tall and that I must play basketball and be really good. So, line in the sand. Here is Dramatic Hannah turning this manifestation, why can't I say that word, into a dream. You say I'm tall? You say I must be good at basketball? Fine. I'm going to be the best at basketball. I am going to be a Division I athlete. And I remember shaking hands with my father and saying, fine, if I become a Division I athlete, and this is so funny because <laughs> I'm just talking about this as we go. And so it makes me laugh when I think about what, <laughs> now that I've told this story, as I'm uncovering it in front of you, it makes me laugh because we shook hands, my line in the sand. I'm going to be a division one athlete and father, when I do this, you're going to buy me a yellow, of course, Mustang. And at that time, that's the most extra car that existed. And still to this day, my dream car in the back of my mind is like a 1999 yellow convertible Mustang. And if I reach that height, I have made it. So, <laughs> so it's so funny because of course it's a yellow Mustang. Of course it is. Of course it's an extra vehicle like that. So we shake hands and I say, I'm going to be a division one athlete. And when I do that, you're going to buy me this dream car. So, okay, go girl. And all I had been told up to this point was that I was super tall and that I must be good at a sport. And so since everybody had told me that that must be basketball, that was what that vision looked like. Okay, I must be good at basketball, which was really awesome because I actually came from a super awesome basketball program. So stars aligning. Hello, Hannah, this makes sense. This is a dream you could accomplish. You have the roadmap. You don't even know what that roadmap needs to look like because you don't actually come from any version of athletic prowess in your life. But people have spoken this acceptance of what your dream could be. And that must be why you could go and do it. That must be how dreams develop. Dreams must develop from acceptance. Dreams must develop from people telling you that you could go be that thing. Other people have to validate that for it to be a good dream. Right? And no wonder. I mean, I had been coached that so early on in life that I was like, okay, mm, I get it. I'm not allowed to dream. I totally get it. So as I'm walking through what this dream looks like, it's like, okay, seventh grade, I declare that I will be a division one athlete and that nothing else matters. You know, I had never had it validated in my life that I was smart or any kind of intelligent. I tend to lean on a creative side so much so that I would find myself in lectures in college um, sitting while other people are feverishly taking notes while my husband is studying and doing all the things. And I was just better off listening, absorbing, seeing and interacting with what was being taught to me than taking notes. And 
If your uh, note taker, this section is not for you. If you are someone who learns in this way, I am here to tell you not everyone learns from taking notes and don't take notes if it doesn't help you learn. It didn't ever help me. And I spent like four years of college copying the person next to me, not literally, but like copying what they did because I was like, oh my gosh, they must be smart. They must take notes. This is what this looks like. Instead of listening to what helped me to learn, what helped me to get there. And I saw all these people who were super smart and super all the things. And so I was like, oh, that must be why I'm not very good at this because I don't, I don't take notes. It doesn't look like that. But when it did look like that, when I faked what that looked like for me, I could feel myself not learning <laughs> as well as they probably were because it didn't make sense. So anyways, I declare that I'm going to be a Division One athlete and I feverish, feverishly approach this. I go to every open gym. I do every single sport I like blindly chase this goal. I have no idea how you're supposed to get there. But someone said, oh, it's going to be a lot of work. So I'm like, well, I can do that. What's that mean? Just being at the gym a lot? Just doing all these things? Okay, being on all these teams doing, okay, I can do that. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how you become a division one athlete. But someone said that it's going to be hard work. And I can totally do that. So <laughs> I spend so much time Figuring out what this looks like. At some point, it turned into volleyball instead of basketball. And I was accepting of that because, guess what? People weren't validating that I was good at basketball. Yeah, you're good and you're tall. And people had validated that I was tall and they assigned it to basketball for so many years of my life. And then all of a sudden it was like, okay, I'm like okay at basketball. I'm good, but probably only good because I'm tall. Uh, okay, so then I remember changing the assignment of that dream to volleyball because someone actually had validated that I was good at that, actually pushed me and said, oh, you're so good at this girl. You have to do this thing. You have to do volleyball. So then, uh, hello, Hannah, right? I had only built my dream upon acceptance and validation. And so it was okay that it switched because that's what dreams are supposed to be. Dreams are supposed to be based off of people validating and accepting that that's who you would be. And when they don't, you can, you won't reach it. So it changed to volleyball for me, which is, by the way, great because what other sport... Do you have an opportunity to stop, cheer, meet with your team, and get excited after every single point? There aren't very many, I will tell you. Although, or like, so so not only every single point, because like soccer, obviously you can do that. They got to get the ball back to the middle. But points happen every like two seconds. So you get to celebrate and get excited <laughs> with your team like every minute at least and less than that, right? There is no better calling for me. What 
the most extroversion of myself. Hello, we get to cheer and be excited and be ourselves and live in a space of happiness and fellowship every two seconds, and that's accepted. I am here for this sport. I will raise my hand for this sport. And so one of my coaches who who validated that I would be good at this thing, and really the only reason that I'm probably really good at it is because I get really pumped to just be extra and to do so on a stage in front of people. So it makes perfect sense that volleyball was my love language for a majority of my life. So it turned into volleyball based on validation and exception, acceptance, acceptance, and that makes sense. So I'm about to close and wrap on this portion of this story because if I keep going, you're going to be like, um, girl, could have used a break. This podcast's a little annoying. I get it. You're some small town extra person who didn't get to dream big, but I am hoping that you find yourself in this story. So along the lines, I hadn't been allowed to dream like other people. And so a lot of my dreaming looked like acceptance dreaming, looked like dreaming big enough for people to validate it, but not so big that people called me crazy and told me to be quiet, which doesn't make sense with who I am. I am the biggest, boldest, yellowest person that I know. And so dreaming small was so untrue to who I am. Um, but that's where I spent a lot of my life dreaming this small accepted and validated version of what this looks like. And so cut to where I'm at now, I just realized that all of the things that I had dreamt for my life were either super small or unvalidated and unchartered because I didn't have an assignment for what my life was going to look like because how could I? If my dreams are based off of other people's validation well, I'm not allowed to say what that dream is, right? Because it, it, it's not going to be mine. It's not going to be what I dream up. It's got to be based off of what other people accept about me. And it couldn't be based off of what I know about myself. Because the last time I did that, circa second grade yellow jumpsuit me, I was told that I wasn't allowed to dream like that. So boom, right there. Second grade self, do not dream. It is not safe out there. You need other people's acceptance and they need to tell you what it looks like. And you aren't allowed to dream like that. And shame on that person, but bless that person because they are why I'm here today. And they are why we are going to go on this journey together because I believe that once we discover where that came from, we can start rebuilding what it looks like. But why why, and how did we get here in the first place? That's where we need to start. And that's where I started uncovering what this looked like. And I thought for a little while, I'll just read all the books. I'll get super motivated. I'll do this thing. I'll be this person. And I... After I read all the books, after I got all the motivation, after I got all the people telling me that this is what it would look like if you were going to be successful, I was still like, huh. And then I went to this conference and the conference 
made me break down what this looked like. And unintentionally, I don't actually think that journeying back through your childhood and discovering where you stopped dreaming was like a line item on the agenda, but somewhere in some manifestation of what all these things collectively, all the books I'd read, all the speakers, all these things, once I put all those things together, it made me go back and realize I have never dreamt a dream for myself. I have never built what this looks like out of fear of that second grader being shamed for having such big dreams that didn't make any sense with my DNA or my prestige or anything that that little girl that got killed that day, that dream that died that day made me fearfully dream the rest of my life. And I hope that you are hearing this and uncovering this. And even if you aren't yellow jumpsuit, banana seat bike riding Hannah version, hopefully you can realize and uncover where your dream died with me along this journey. So I'm going to start telling my own story and then we're going to keep bridging gaps as we go along. And hopefully, even though you aren't this yellow person, hopefully you're your own person, but you can connect with my journey and where I'm at and my path to discovery to move forward and to move past not dreaming dreams. This is a podcast of the dream that died and I am excited to go on this journey with you.